This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Well, we're back with you here on Kelly and Rumia. It's the Thursday edition of the show, so fourth of the week and one more before Friday. Of course, I opened up the wrong script right before the show and thought we were getting into the Friday show. Saw a lot of placeholders and thought, what the heck is this? Anyway, Kelly McDonald, Ramia Amadin, we're holding you down for the next two hours with conversations from guests and contributors and some amongst ourselves. Kelly, I never grew up setting the table. My family I, barely I ever that. ate. You're like me, kind of childish. Mm. Oh, 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 sorry. Never <laughs> grew up setting the table for dinner, lunch, or breakfast. That's the specific context, okay? Dinner, and lunch, um, family ba- basically never ate at the table. It's really weird Together. to think about. We had a long, giant, like, eight-seater table growing up. Uh, we had a pretty big dining room. But Barely ever ate at the table, so never grew Mm. up setting the table. You know when I set the table? When we went to camps and outdoor ed centers and, like, these kind of... To make it look good. Yeah, well, they made us, right? They were like, you you gotta... You had to. This is what you gotta do. You gotta put the hopper tag on and do what you gotta do. But was it normal at your house? I'm very curious because I feel like it's a norm for many people. It never was for us. Um, Didn't do it all the time. If it was, like... You know, my dad and I, for example, or again, being the baby of the family, my siblings, a lot of them were already gone. But as a kid, I remember people had to set the table, just put some things under. But my mother did do a lot of that stuff. But my mother was that person who had us all at the table and hovered around doing other things. And my dad kept saying, sit down, She wouldn't sit sit with you. For dinner? Not necessarily. You know, Aww. we had to get her, and, and usually near the end, she'd sit down, but she wanted to be sure everybody had, or if anyone wanted something. Did you guys eat at the same time, but all over? Or yeah. did you just come in? Uh, no way. Food was and, barely ever served. Like, food was on the stove and around the kitchen, and whenever you were hungry, you would get to it. And it's not like we were all in demand uh, for different schedules, right? Like, we were kids. Yep. Like, yep. Where were we? Nowhere. We went to school, we came back oh. home, and went out to play That's basketball with our friends or something. But yeah, that we just never did. Mom and dad never ate together either. Like, it's just all over the place. I don't remember. There was never a dinner time. Let's just put it that way. Wow. You guys wow. had a dinner time, though, yeah? Yeah, we had, when we moved to Ontario from uh, Quebec, from Montreal, it was weird for my parents because, you know, fa- parents would come out at like 6 7 o'clock at night, come on in for dinner. And my mm. parents would, what? Because we'd have been like an hour, hour and a half already at eating, already? right? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we ate dinner at like 9 p.m., the last of us, so. Whoa. Mm, I know. Uh, I don't think, yeah, because some of you cool. probably just went to bed. Ate and went I was to just going to say, don't even get me started on how we had a lack of bedtime growing up. Anyway, let's move on to what's coming up on the show today. <laughs> Um, The conversations start with strategies that we can have to boost our confidence before these big gatherings and holiday parties. Fern Lennon's going to talk to us more about that. 
Today on Accessible Gaming, boy, what a treat, folks. Marcus McCracken welcomes Brandon Cole to chat about his involvement in the accessibility features of the newest Forza Motorsport game. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of talk there that's going to be really interesting. Hang in. Information technology specialist at AMI, Leanne Brown, we just call her the tech guru around here, joins us for the weekly roundtable where Kelly's picked some topics and we will discuss. A new study, gotta love these studies, a new study suggests that uh, higher death rates, there are higher death rates in those who fear serious illness. Illness anxiety disorder, hypochondriasis, is a rare condition. A large study out of Sweden says people with this condition tend to die earlier than those who are not as vigilant about their health. They're unable to shake their fears despite normal physical exams and lab tests. Some may change doctors repeatedly. Others may avoid medical care. Treatment can involve cognitive behavioral therapy, relaxation techniques, education, and sometimes antidepressant medication. The researchers found people with the diagnosis have an increased risk of death from both natural and unnatural causes, including circulatory and respiratory diseases and suicide. Chronic stress is a contributing factor. I'm Ed Donahue. Oh, that's kind of where I want to pick up the chronic stress because we know that stress and anxiety is a culprit for a lot of other physical manifestations of conditions and uh, diseases and illnesses. So that's one thing. But the second thing is, Kels, hypochondriacs, well, this is not unheard of this is not new this is not a, a a revelation of a conversation i think what's happening is we're becoming a more aware obviously uh but more prone to it probably because of everything and anything that makes us think of illness now like we're not just thinking seasonally we're not just thinking during the colder months and during the flu seasons as we know it now it's like years and years of dent of just talking illness, just talking vaccines, just talking numbers of people who are experiencing COVID, have experienced COVID, dying from COVID. It's a big deal. You think so? Um, and when I don't mean the big deal part, I mean, I've heard this stuff for years. People suspect that, oh, if you worry, worry yourself to death. But now there's more to worry things about. like that. No, I don't necessarily think there's more to worry about. It's all how you perceive it. I think there was just as much to worry really? about in years gone by with, well, yeah, they, we've had pandemics before. We've had pollution. Well, that's fair. We've heard for a year. But I think the difference now, and I don't even know how much of a difference because I don't know what was commissioned, what grants were handed out to do studies on everything. Now that's what our world is about. Well, let's do a study on this. Let's examine, let's get a consultant in here. You didn't have all that 35, 40 years, 100, 200 years ago, you had a lot of people saying, you know what worrying's going to do to you? It's going to put you in a grave early. And yeah. those were the things people said. But we had nothing to prove that except my grandfather worried himself and died at the age yeah, of... Yeah, now we got words and now terms we and actually conditions. have anecdotal, exactly, in mm -hmm. lab studies and, you know, focus groups where we've done this. Yeah, and actual, uh, you know, like the causal information, right? Like yeah. this this leads mm -hmm. to this, and science says so. So more of us yeah. are thinking of and stress. And we can look and say, look at your stomach. Look what's going on. We've yeah, talked yeah, yeah. on this show yeah. so much about your gut health and how, how and it you affects feel everything your else. gut. For years, everybody's felt, oh, I feel sick. Why? And I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm whatever. And oh, the yeah. brain, Butterflies. right? Like how yes. our brain affects our appetite, our eating habits, our everything else. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. And also, we didn't even get to this, but the medication side of things, my goodness. Ooh.
Oh gosh, when people right. had the the natural organic stuff, mm -hmm. but now we let's make up something that does the same thing as this organic stuff, Brutal. but it just eats away at your stomach more. Yeah. So anyways, thanks for the study. Uh, this feels like a cut for time moment, but we are going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about what Mike Fear has acquired in the past year. A lot of items at home or when he's going away. And this week he's going to talk about some of his favorite finds of 2023. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. It's Kelly and Ramya. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. I'm looking forward to a lot of downtime during the holidays, Kels. We've been talking a lot about <laughs> gatherings and parties and family time and, oh my, so much, so much to come, even business gatherings, but no, I am actually uh, you know promoting some the opposite. people um, hold on to their childhood? I've learned what you hold on to. What? Me time? Being in school and getting all that time off. Yeah. But I'm thinking That's more like what you hold on. I'm to. thinking less about um, time off and more about avoiding actual gatherings and socializing. That's what I enjoy. Yeah, but you could do year. that all the time. Just, just don't be yeah, social. It feels uh, especially. Words, like it feels especially good during the holidays. To avoid. <laughs> To avoid or just to have that time, right? Just to kind of sure. lay I remember when I Both. went to W. Ross, it was amazing to come back and not be around people. And people, what are you going to do with your Christmas? Because my family didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything mm. like that. It wasn't us, But right? sometimes that's and the I worst, though. Say, when you tell around. people you're not doing anything, that's when everybody wants to hang out. Ooh, oh, you got to no, hide. No, I, no, no. People, really no, hide. I don't want you dropping in. I'm too antisocial uh, for that. I think I learned from you. I'm very vocal about it now, too. Bang on my oh, door. Thanks. Go ahead all you want. At least make <laughs> yeah. it a drum tune, at least. <laughs> Exactly. We're Pretend promoting mental health out here. Please leave me alone. <laughs> um, let's get to audio entertainment and tech. I think we're going to get a little bit of both today with Michael Fair. Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. Mike, it's practically a, a year-end review with you today because over the past year, you've acquired a number of items for use while at home, while you're away. And this week, you're going to talk about some of the favorite finds of 2023. So... Absolutely. Where do you want to start? What attracted you to um, the mouse limitless 5.0 iPhone case? You want to start there? And also, am I yeah, pronouncing that brand right? Yeah, it's mouse. It's, okay. it's, uh, I was thrown off by that too until I heard their commercials <laughs> where they throw their iPhones in, in off of buildings and cases and stuff and do all kinds of stuff uh, to, to prove how buff they are. Uh, th in this case, um, I wanted good drop protection, good grip, and I didn't want anything too bulky. I didn't want a screen protector this time around. I wanted to do it right the first time. Get you know maybe pay a little more, get a case that I'm happy with. Okay. So I don't end up with a couple of spare cases because you're going to have to change cases every time you get a new iPhone anyway. So mm -hmm. that was kind of my thinking going into this. So the mouse case okay. has very good protection. It's got a grippy side uh, on the side so you can hold it. You're not like as likely to drop it. Eight-foot drop protection, and wow. it's not too bulky. doesn't have a lot of, a lot of bulk to the phone. Uh, MagSafe compatibility was another must for me because uh, I use that. 
So yeah, it was between them and Casetify were the top brands. Casetify went for the thicker and they have corners that are kind of bouncy corners. I didn't want that. I wanted slimmer uh, kind of things. So uh-huh. uh, Mouse kind of got me there with, with its approach. Did it have any competitors? Okay. Yeah, Casetify was the closest. Uh, and and they're, it's, it's like a big competition between those two. All the different YouTube videos are you know comparing those. And uh, yeah, OtterBox is kind of a third now, by the as far right. as I can judge it. It's not as yeah, big as it used it to be. It seems to sure. be no, no. When I got my phone, that was the same thing. We had a discussion about that uh, because OtterBox just eh, it's just not what 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 is comparable to some of the other great things that are out there that people can go and get their hands on. Now, okay, Mike, I feel you're happy with it, given how expensive it is. Well worth it. Yes, it's it's one of these things like it's about a ninety dollar investment at full price. Mm. I could have if I waited to Black Friday, it would have been more like sixty ish. Um, right. But uh, that being aside, it's worth it. I paid. I'm going to be paying back sixteen hundred for my iPhone fifteen over the next couple of years. So I mean, spending a hundred on a really good case that I'm really happy about and feels solid and I can you know have confidence in it just seems like a no brainer for me. At yeah. this point, Let's preserve that that value for sure. I will Absolutely. say though, um, kind of moving away from getting screen protectors is still very yes. shocking to me. Like that people will, or that cases are designed to also protect your screen, and it makes sense, right? There's that jetting sure. out, that yeah. lip, that absorption, but still, yeah, I it, was so it, adamant that we need screen protectors as well as the but cases. Of course, the screen protectors, yeah, as long as, as it hits flat, then that's one yeah. thing. It might yeah. avoid, but but it, the, the lip that it juts up above will protect it from a flat drop anyway, as uh-huh. long as the phone doesn't doesn't uh, go out of the case. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a very tight fit case. It grips the phone nicely, uh, so it, it will protect it from those, those uh, drops onto flat surfaces. Mike, it's not a year-end review of tech with you if we don't talk about charging stations. So what impresses yes. <laughs> you about the uh, charging station from Anchor, the Nano one? Yeah, the Nano uh, charging station. It's a nice, small, uh, it fits in the palm of your hand. It's a squarish thing, with, and it has an attached cable. The cable is flat, uh, and the and the plug is flat, so you can get it in behind stuff nice and easily. And it's just such a compact flat design the plugs on top actually go flat into the unit and then when you plug something into them they push up uh, out outward around mm. the 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 prong so it's very travel friendly uh it's it's small it can get into tight spaces uh and it has two ac plugs and four uh, and two uh usb c and two usb a ports so very adaptable to whatever you need to plug in uh plenty for your travel needs to keep all your gadgets charged up and just very durably thoughtfully built it's very solid uh 67 watts so uh that you're splitting that up uh, between the ports the plugs will let current through right from the you know the wall anyway so you know i don't think that counts towards the uh you know the ports um so it 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 certainly handles everything i've plugged into it i've put it through as about as thorough test as i can <laughs> with what i have here and uh <laughs> that's never- awesome and the software yeah. oh sorry go ahead yeah the software protects it from overheating and just and tells it you can plug anything in it just knows okay this is how much power this needs and it, it just like gives that. everything yep. that power safely that yeah. is really cool which is what you're paying for because you need that intelligence you need the durability and the ease to want to take it so you certainly get a lot of use out of it how much mike 
it was around 90 bucks. Like it's, it's an expensive thing, but yeah. Uh, you know, if you get it on Black Friday deal, Anchor always has sales, so you can get like thirty percent off or thereabouts with this uh, fairly often. And uh, if you snag it on sale, yes, well worth it, and it's going to last. This thing is really nicely, solidly built. Well, fairly, it is a reliable brand, right? We know Anchor. Um, mm. A lot of people will invest in it. it the reviews and ratings speak for themselves. Uh, but there is kind of a gotcha, right? Like, do you have to buy the cable separately? Yes, it doesn't come with cables, so you okay. do have to get any any USB A USB C cables you need. Yeah, like it's it's and their anchor does great ones of those if you need them. I've that's what I tend to go for. Uh, they've just proved their safety uh, over the years. I've used them. Do you like the design, Mike? There's certain tiny things that'll get you right when you're trying to find space between the couch and the wall or something, and you're like, oh rat, it doesn't fit this, you know, two inches yeah, of. Jetting out of space, and, and you hate having to move stuff in and out. Exactly. And this flat cable just goes right down behind, and you can sneak it, you know, behind stuff and get to the plug. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just very well thought out. Okay. Um, cost you so, already mentioned, so that's yeah, good. About ninety bucks. Yeah. Think you want to talk about the memo the bottle now? Memo bottle. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a bit of a different buy. That is a flat stainless steel water bottle. That is about uh, 70 or 80 bucks to get. This thing is, it's, I've got the uh, A6 size, so that is, that holds about 500 liters. And uh, it, it is a, just an excellent size to stick. Uh, the Memo Bottle brand, it refers to the size of a paper pad. So they base their sizes on that. And uh, so it's designed to fit in, in between your books if you're a student or in between uh, your, your tech. You know, it's just a square item that just fits right in your bag. Okay, so when you say very, flat, very nice. you're actually talking flat, not a round bottle. Yeah, yeah this is a flat water bottle. I've never and, heard uh, of this. Maybe yeah, either. it's crush proof, you know, stainless steel, very solid, not insulated. So, wow. You know, I, I, no. you got to like your water kind of warm uh, and uh, keep that in mind when you're filling it with cold or hot water because you will feel it mm -hmm. uh, uh -huh. <laughs> through the, the thing. But, but uh, that's the, good the, because the, that's kind of, most time the bulkiness of a bottle is for that, Thermal, yeah, insulation protection. Yeah, and the screw, the cap screws in the inside of the mouth, so the outside is smooth and more pleasant to drink from. You're not going to scrape your lip on the, you know, the little uh, ridges to screw on the cap. So they've thought this through well. It's a nice. Uh, they they want to try and save, you know, get people off of the the you know plastic bottles that you're you're recycling all the time or throwing out. Yes. Or, you know, ending up in rant landfills. So that was their I thinking. love this. Yeah, I'm not big on the metal, metal, anything metal kind of thing, but you have to make the adjustment because we can't be wasting stuff. And it's just mm. that that thing, the plastic is just, no, come on. Uh, what's the Bravo Max V2 from, Al, is it Alpaca or Alpaca they pronounce it? Alpaca, yeah, this is an Australian brand. And yeah. uh, they, they, it's a messenger style uh, sling pack. So this is to hold your everyday carry, your tech, your everyday carry personal items, things like that. Uh, it's a 10 liter capacity. And uh, it's got a main compartment has a laptop sleeve that's all lined. Uh, it's nice. a, it can hold up to a 14 inch laptop, and uh, it's got two deep pockets uh, sort of divided in the front, and then it's a little main area in between. Uh, there's a front section, a front compartment with uh, more pockets, uh, and everything is zipped. Uh, it's all very quiet, AquaGuard sort of zippers, uh, and the eyelets line up so you can actually lock. 
pretty much the whole front of the bag. You can't lock the back compartment. There's a, a lined back compartment for tablets and things, and it's it's expandable, so you can fit. I fit, have my water bottle in the back, so it's kind of nice that way. And uh, and there's a little hidden pocket, which I took about an hour after I got this bag before I noticed. Uh, and I've, I've actually stuck my hat in there. It's a flat uh, kind of deep pocket. You could use it for documents and stuff. I'm amazed it took me that long to find where this thing was. Uh, but, but it was there. And, and the, the front end, uh, the front compartment also has a magnetically detachable uh, uh, holder for keys. Oh, and the nice. buckle, the strap detaches. It's very comfortable strap. Uh, detaches as well if you want it to. So very thoughtfully designed bag. What's the uh, material like? It's pretty good. It, it's a tough uh, nylon. Uh, it, it's a, fa- a fabric that's it's really uh, sort of ripstop, ripproof, and uh, just very secure. And uh, they've they've been building these bags for a long time, and and it shows. It's it's a really uh, just, even if you pack it up fully, it's very comfortable to mm. wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very strap, the comfortable shoulder strap. Uh, I've never had a bag that's this comfortable with that sort of heavier unload in it. Uh, yeah, with the really one nice shoulder thing. straps, that's the one thing that you got to think about, right? Even with duffels yeah. and things like that, like how that's comfortable it, because is Because it fights India, right? Yeah. So that's really yeah. a seller, Mike. So this, uh, yeah. It is $180, yeah, it though. Yeah, and yes, it sounds 100... well worth it, Mike. A lot would balk at it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's worth the investment for a good bag like this. If, if one thing teaches me this year that you get what you pay for, this bag really did it. it. They've just thought of so much and got it right. I'll be happy with it for like 10 years. Awesome. Mike, we got to go. Um, we didn't get to talk about the hero clip yet, but I'm very curious about it. So maybe you can toss it in for next week. I can, yeah, put it in next week. Absolutely. Right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you then. righty. We'll see you then. Euro clip. See, the thing is, when you're going around looking for tech stuff anyways, you will find things that you weren't even looking for. Oh, man, you could go crazy and spend so much money and it's all be useful. It's brutal. This segment alone, I'm now going to start adding things to my cart. Anyways, um, Mike Fair joins us on (laughs) Thursdays for our weekly tech and audio entertainment chat. After the break, we're checking in with Fern Lellum. She joins us every other week. And today we're going through strategies to boost our confidence before attending these gatherings and holiday parties that some of us are avoiding. We'll be right back. It's Kelly and Ramia. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. We're back with you, the Thursday edition of Kelly and Ramia with Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amazon. Thanks for being here. We are very excited for next week because it is the last week we're on air, live and podcast and everywhere else you listen to us before we get into the holiday break and then back with you in the new year. We'll give you details on that. But the first thing I want to mention is the very festive show we got lined up for you on the 22nd of December. So look forward to that. It's going to be fun. We usually have our annual holiday kitchen party. We're not necessarily doing that this year, but we will have a lovely festive show for you with the um, holiday reads and poetry and music and food then and quizzes and fun that we've all gotten used to in the last few years. So heads up on that. And Kelly, over to you. Thank you. And folks, it's time, as we do every two weeks on the program, we welcome in Fern Lullum from the UK for our bi-weekly check-in. 
What's on your mind? I'm Fern Lullum from the UK, and whether serious, silly, or somewhere in between, I've got you covered. Let's face it, the most effective therapy is a chat with your bestie. Well, yesterday we were talking on our business discussion with Kevin Shaw about going to that office party and how you feel and kind of proper attire for a party. And we got into a bit of a conversation that kind of expanded into having those conversations. Well, today we're going to talk a little differently, but along the same kind of vein here, folks, we are talking about feeling confident in a room full of people. Fern, welcome back. Yes, I know. Who knew that would be something that I would know anything about? But I do. I know you're surprised. Well, as shy uh, yes. as you are, of course. I know, absolutely. You're the top um, choice so, for me to come to, Fern. <laughs> thank you. That's very that's very kind. Um, so, yes, we are. We're talking about those holiday parties, those big gatherings. It doesn't necessarily... You're in a room full of people and you need to be confident and fill yourself with some kind of self-esteem so that you can get through the interaction I think what I would say is, you know, we've all been there at some time or another. So I thought we'd dive into this one today and have a little chat about it so that you might hopefully feel a little bit more confident the next time you go to some kind of party or big event. Mm -hmm. Well, is it, Fern, like common to feel a little bit nervous in a social setting? Yes, it absolutely is. And I think a big lie that we all kind of tell ourselves is, I'm the only one that's feeling this way. And that is so far from the truth, because like I just said, most of us at one time or another have felt this way. It's a very common feeling. There are a lot of reasons why we can feel this way. So that might be fear of judgment is obviously top of the list, low self-esteem, negative experiences in the past. If you've gone somewhere before and had an awkward experience, you might fear that happening again. And also one that hits close to home for me, a tendency to overthink things. Those of us who tend mm -hmm. to, you know, either think about it beforehand or after the fact, or even during the fact, we can fall prey to thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to make a complete fool of myself yep. and never be invited back. Yep, we, our head, we get into our head and then it gets much more complicated than maybe it needs to be. But we're going to talk to you about it anyway. So what strategies can we use to boost our confidence before attending a gathering or party? Yeah, I think the first thing to say is know yourself, because if, you know, depending on the kind of um, the, the type of party that you're going to, it might just not be for you. So I want to make it clear that I'm not saying you should always go to every single party that you're invited to. There might just be some that just aren't for you. And that's completely okay. There are other ways that you can connect with people. You know, you can always invite maybe one or two people around and you can, so you can still form connections even if you just, you know, parties just aren't your thing. That is completely acceptable. However, if you are going to a party, Party and you're kind of taking the plunge, there are a few things that you can do. So you can kind of prepare a few topics that you might think, oh, if, you know, if I'm in a conversation and I don't know what to say, I've got this up my sleeve just to try and make you feel a little bit like you know what you're doing. And then also maybe take a friend along with you, you know, go with somebody that you trust mm. so that if something happens, um, you know, remind yourself that you can leave at any time. You can take a break or you can, like, like I say, have that emotional support. And like I just alluded to, remember and try your best. I mean, it's so easy for me to sit here and say this, 
but try your best not to do what I call the PPR, which is the post-party rumination. Quite often, we go to a party. <laughs> yes, this is my own creation. Uh, we go to a party, and we have, you know, while we're there, we're actually having quite a good time, and we come away thinking, oh, that was all right. And then, I don't know, about 10 or 15 minutes later, by the time we get home, we've just ruminated ourselves what is into up with that? disaster. It's yes. true. Yes, absolutely. So do everything you can to tell yourself, I am not going to go down that slippery slope and engage oh, gosh, in this. Yeah. Mm. I, I really like for thinking about those things to talk about that you could pull out. And I know sometimes we want to know who else is going to be there. And hopefully you're asking for that kind of reason that, oh, well, so-and-so, they, they talk a fair bit about this or that kind of thing. What kinds of things that I know a little bit about that I can get into a conversation with them? You hope for those kinds of things. And you know, that you don't get trapped into, oh, I'll just stay here where I'm comfortable in this corner or talking mm -hmm. to these two people and just follow them around everywhere. You you want to have confidence in yourself and, and pre-arm yourself. And hopefully your host doesn't think, why do you want to know who's at the party? Is that how you determine if you're coming or not? Um, <laughs> how does your mindset play that role in fostering confidence at the social gatherings? And are there some techniques to cultivate a more positive mindset? Yes. So I would say that mindset is a huge factor in it. Now, I think as well as the PPR, the post-party uh, rumination, mm -hmm. we also have the pre-party rumination, which uh, is, yes. I don't know if you've yes. ever experienced this, but have you ever been in a situation where you're thinking about something and you are just making it the most scary thing in the yep, world? Yep. And when oh, you get gosh, there, yeah. it's fine. It's absolutely yep. fine. But beforehand, you know, so we need to sometimes keep in mind that the anticipation of these things is very often worse than the reality. So that's something yes. to keep in mind. As and and I first. tend to do that pre more than the post. Because yes, like you said, yes. you go there and, oh, man, that was great. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, I was worried about nothing. About? Yeah. yeah, and and we do, we think, you know, what? why did I get so upset? And yet the next time it rolls around again, we do the same thing all of over course. again. Of course, um, And And so also I would say that with the mindset thing, if you're feeling anxious and you go in with this presumption that nobody is going to like me, I'm going to make a fool of myself, whatever you do, you'll criticise yourself for it. So, you know, if you're too quiet, you'll think I'm boring. If you're too loud, you'll think I'm annoying. If, you know, if you eat too much food, you're going to think, oh, now I look rude. If you don't eat any food, equally you're going to think well maybe I look rude you know whatever you do your mind will attack you so you need to in terms of um, fostering a more positive mindset we need to challenge these negative thoughts and think is this really true am I always a complete idiot and nobody gets along with me or is that a bit of a black and white statement maybe sometimes I am good and in certain situations I can really excel and what are my strengths instead of always focusing on the things that we get wrong mm, exactly and I feel like a part of this is just practice for putting ourselves into these circumstances where we can challenge the overthinking, the pre and the post rumination. Also, while we're at the parties, there's this thing called small talk that I absolutely can dread. And th when I think of gatherings, this is the first thing that comes to mind. So how do we best initiate conversation with people, most likely people we don't know, but, you know, get into that mode of actually jumping into the socialization? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that is a, a really difficult one to try and get into, like you say, especially if it's somebody new that you don't know very well. Yep. And I think this is where, you know, it is good to, to go in, you know, arm yourself a little bit with some things that you could talk about, but also just be, you know, it's such a cliche to say be yourself, but really try and just 
um, just talk to them like you would talk to, to anyone else. They are just another human being. And sometimes when we are, you know, we, we always worry about not being perfect, but actually our imperfections can actually create the best connections. If you like yeah. that little uh, phrase. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, sometimes you when we see someone as a human and down to earth, it actually allows the other person to go, oh, okay, yes, we can talk about things that we get wrong or, you know, mistakes that we've made or or things that aren't completely perfect. And it kind of gives them permission also to let their own guard down and connect with you on a deeper level. Wow. It, it, I wish sometimes, especially at those functions, I could see this is where I get envious because it would be nice as, to not feel so much pressure to stay in one area one, waiting for somebody to come over or focus talking on a few people where, you know, I'm going to run out of stuff to say. Mm. It'd be nice to be able to kind of drift around. Hi, so it's a, hello, or hey, I, I'm Kelly, whatever, just to kind of flow around so you seem warm and friendly enough and then hopefully people will, as you settle back, come and approach and feel more comfortable to talk to you. Um, are there common misconceptions, Fern, that hinder confidence in social situations? And if so, how can we overcome those? Well, it's really interesting what you just said there, because I kind of detect one there, you know, this idea that there are some people who can just do this and it's completely effortless. And, and, right. and I think yes. one of the things that we do is we shame ourselves. And basically all shame is, is saying, I should be here, you know, up at the top and I'm here. And I'm sort of like, you know, three rungs below where I should be. And so we shame mm. ourselves because we look at everyone else and we go, they've got it together. You know, they must, they must know yep. exactly what they're yep. doing. They yep. can't be nervous. Right. And I am. Um, and, and so that can be really hard. And another misconception can be everyone is judging me. You know, everyone is looking at me. Everyone is talking about me. And of course, again, if you were talking to a friend, you'd of course say to them, no, that's not what's happening. You know, there's this great quote that says, you'll worry far less about what people think of you when you realize how seldom they do. True. Basically, people are wrapped up in their own <laughs> stuff. They're not worrying about yep. you. They're worrying that's about right. them. They're worrying if they've Don't got make a it stain about on yourself. their dress. You know, they're worrying if they've got cake around their face. You know, they're not thinking about you. And that's a wonderful freeing thought. Thank goodness for that, because it allows us just to take the pressure off ourselves and just, you know, relax a little bit because everyone else is is thinking the same as we are. I literally heard about this yesterday, the spotlight effect, right? Where you just have to go out and be embarrassed or be ready to be embarrassed because you'll then realize that not everyone's actually looking at you and watching you and thinking of you because they're thinking of themselves. Uh, Fern, how could you deal with feelings of self-doubt and anxiety that can arise in these social settings? We've been kind of talking about this the whole time, but specifically about that self-doubt. Yeah, and these are feelings that can really creep up on you. And what I would say here is if it feels overwhelming, take yourself off, you know, and like I said earlier, just give yourself permission to have that break. Take yourself to the bathroom or a quiet space and just give yourself five minutes to calm down, calm your system down, have a breathe and, and just ground yourself and notice what's around you. You know, you can do the sense thing, you know, and, and kind of connect with different things in the room. But the most important thing I would say is kind of what we alluded to a little bit earlier about asking yourself, what do I need right now? What is it that I need that would make me feel better in this situation? Because mm -hmm. I think that the more we can recognize that and the more we can feel like I can look after myself, even when I feel uneasy, I can be in a situation where I don't feel comfortable, but I can get through it. 
that's when we start to feel safer, emotionally safer with ourselves. Mm. And we don't have so much fear in these situations because there's not so much risk because we know even if we get into a difficult situation, we can handle it. That's a really right. lovely tip, right. Fern. I think we need to let yeah. that set in because it's true. We're building self-trust and self-confidence. And a lot of the times we're thinking of confidence as this uh, external perception, right? Like how people think of me. But really, a lot of it is just how you think of yourself and how you'll be yes, there for yourself yeah. whether or not you did well at this party. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that takes us back to those preconceptions. How do how are you viewing yourself? Mm. Are you telling yourself yeah. no one's going to yeah. like me? Or are you telling yourself, actually, I'm pretty fun? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Fern, how about, and we only got about 30 seconds for this. What about could having a disability really impact that, 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 that feeling about yourself and disadvantage you to some degree in this circumstance that we're talking? Yeah, I think we've all been in situations where we feel like, oh, God, I wish I could just make eye contact with somebody across the room, you know, like you said, and, and mm -hmm. be able to talk to people. And that can be hard. And again, I think it's just knowing that actually you still do bring a lot to the table, even as somebody with a disability. Ask for help when you need it, but also just really kindly and politely educate people. Because again, that's when we create connections, when people can understand each other. It's a real good opportunity to form bonds between people instead of kind of feeling like you're all on your own. Absolutely wonderful, Fern. Thank you. As usual, we run out of time and there's so much to be said. Uh, the best to you. We'll talk to you later next week or in the new year, right? Uh, I think, I think hit, she's hit, hit submitting holiday something. Party. Uh, oh, yeah. There might be something, mm -hmm. there might be something on its yeah. way for, for there will be a Fern and friend we appearance. We will hear from you, but not necessarily talk to you, but we will Absolutely. in the new year. Yeah. But you have a lovely you, holiday. You too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Fern Lullum joins us every two weeks opposite What in the World right here on Kelly and Ramya. Now get this. Amazon's strict return to office policy is actually pushing more employees into quitting. <gasps> We're shocked. Mark Phoenix is going to tell us more about that and other stories on the bus right after the break here on Kelly and Ramya. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back. We are still in the first hour of Kelly and Ramya over here. And because it's a Thursday, we get into the buzz. Now, Bill Shackleton hasn't been with us for a bit, and Mark Phoenix has been filling in, and he brings us the stories Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays to wrap up this first hour. Mark, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well here out here on uh, the East Coast. Uh, how's things uh, back in the big smoke? Good, good. I'm trying to find out if there are some strange flavors of eggnogs that are out there. Mm. Are you uh, interested in eggnog? Uh, I'm not a huge eggnog fan. Deborah is, and it is eggnog season, so uh, mm. we're going to be keeping an eye on the uh, stores around here. Hold up, breaking news. There's a cat with you? There is a cat with me. Aww. My uh, co-host today, Ruby, a small tabby. Uh, she's being a very good girl right now, so I don't know if you can hear her purring at all, but uh, <laughs> she's having a good time. She's, she's actually looking at the screen. Apparently, she's <laughs> staring into the camera, so that's the description it's, I got. Uh, Adorable. Yes, she's uh, she's she's made for TV. So. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, 
Shall we kick, shall we kick yeah, things off? Let's go. Yes, let's. Let's start with an item we actually didn't get to yesterday, but we'll get to it right now. Uh, out of Alberta from the CBC, where scientists made a rare and extraordinary fossil find, a young tyrannosaur with the remains of two baby dinosaurs in its stomach. Uh, fewer than two dozen dinosaurs have ever been found with stomach contents. Most of them have been plant eaters. So this is a very rare find. On top of that, the meals themselves, the legs of two juvenile bird-like dinosaurs called Cydipes elegans, were also an exceptional find, according to Francois Therian, a, uh, the paleontologist who co-led the study. Um they're the most complete skeletons of Cydipes ever found. So thanks wow. to that Gorgosaurus from 75 million years ago for chowing down right before whatever happened to the poor thing that led to it being preserved. Um, now, about 75 million years ago, during the late Cretaceous, the badlands of Alberta were a subtropical coastal plain on the western shore of an inland sea that ran over what's now North America, which was teeming with dinosaurs and flying uh, uh, dinosaur-like creatures, and that kind of business. Many of the remains have been preserved and excavated, but the fragile bones of smaller and younger dinosaurs are much rarer. So this is one heck of a find for people, wow. you know, for paleontologists, people interested on what came before us. It's kind of weird when you think about them being preserved in a stomach right and <laughs> and again their life comes to an end a young very young life but for posterity they have are saved in this stomach so that we we can learn we can find out and it's interesting when you think about um how close or whatever happened to you know to 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 make this possible the killing or the death of of the dinosaur with the contents in the stomach and and just unbelievable mark when you look at alberta and some of these finds these excavations that they've had out there Absolutely. And it's interesting. Yeah. Apparently, it was just the hindquarters of these two uh, dinosaurs. And not only that, but the paleontologists think they have a pretty good guess of which one was eaten first. So I guess there are indications wow. of a digestion that they can somehow pick out from having been fossilized and sitting under rocks for about 75 million years. And, I mean, and two a, different ones, right? Two siblings yeah. or whatever they might have been, whatever. Might have been a wow. few days apart. So yeah. Yeah, could have been, find. right? And that's probably how you would find that ability to know as to at what point um, the digesting stopped. Gorgosaurus likes drumsticks. That's what we learned from this. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. So let's bring it back to the present time. Uh, it's for This is from TechSpot, where Amazon is one of many companies that have been struggling with, you know, orders to return to the office some number of days a week. Uh, are you one of the many people so against returning to the office that you'd rather quit your job than go back? And a whole bunch of people just in front of their TVs yelled, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's an issue several companies are facing. According to a recent report, Amazon is one of those companies, though it doesn't seem willing to do anything about it. Business Insider reports that some Amazon employees have noticed an increasing number of colleagues are leaving the company over its strict return to office mandate. Ending a policy of allowing employees to work from home full time is always contentious. None have faced as much pushback as Amazon. The original announcement resulted in an employee petition in February, which was rejected. And it was one of the reasons behind a walkout later in the year, which was also roundly ignored. Adding fuel to the fire is another Amazon policy introduced in July that requires some corporate workers to relocate to other cities near their team's so-called 
hub offices, central locations assigned to each individual team. Uh, Amazon's CEO is clear about what will happen to any worker who refuses to come back oh, into the boy. office for, for at least three days per week. Boo. Yeah. It's probably not going to work out for you at Amazon, he said in August, to which a lot of employees have apparently said, okay, see ya. Yeah. I mean, when yeah. since when did the, um, what is it, the carrot or the stick, the stick approach in such a vast way, did we really think it was going to work? I don't know, man. Especially Am when it? other corporates are, like, large corporations are doing the complete opposite. They're like, hey, man, do your... Do your work from home. We're good. Productivity is still great, if not better. Absolutely. Mm. I know um, I can say for AMI during the uh, worst of the pandemic, yeah. we all managed to produce entire shows from home. We were producing description from home. Uh-huh. I mean, within a matter of weeks, we completely retooled. Yeah. And it worked. And we proved, you know, I think AMI proved that uh, any, an organization can absolutely have its employees work from home and be just as productive, if not more. Uh, Amazon is notorious for burning through employees for f- people quitting, firing people, hideous working conditions. They're actually yeah. starting to run into a problem where they're running out of the available of pool of workers that they haven't already yeah. gone through. So well, I, and with the they're going to have to do something. Mark- we also learned that people have no problem, as we've uh, talked numerous times with Robert Half when we have him on the show, the fact that people just easy look and say, oh, I can do this somewhere else. And as you said, Amazon has had such a high turnover mm. because people have started to learn, hey, or telling each other, hey, come work over here, apply here, because uh, I think there's a more, when it comes to certain sectors, of the people who say, this is part of what I need for my work accommodations to be able to do this from home this many days or never go into the, whatever it might be. And that is, this is kind of where, as you talked about, Ramya, the carrot, the stick thing, this is where that carrot from the others, come over here, come Mm. over here, Amazon, you know? And I think people are getting more of the confidence where before the pandemic, oh, no, 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 I got to put up with this. this, I know this stick is heavy, but I'm okay. Ruby's happy I work from home now. <laughs> I'm sure she, Ruby she, is. She, yeah, she gets to, you know, be here with dad, dad when I'm um, plugging yeah. away at something. So. And, and uh, you don't get to have to go out and wander in snow or have anyone tell you, you know, Mark, we might do this. We need you. You know, it's amazing. And you know better than you, everything you do. And I'm sure you said it before the pandemic. I could sit at home with a good, powerful computer and do this, but I better be quiet. (laughs) Or someone will say, why don't you just sit at home without our powerful computer and enjoy it? Yeah. But really, though, like when we're talking certain sectors, especially, like if we're really Mm going to start boxing and creating a Venn diagram out of all of this, I think a lot of Amazon could, like actually could work from home, the people, right? It's the office environment uh productivity skill that we're talking about certainly managerial back-end all the software yeah. and firmware um anything managing their vast networks and cloud services all of these all of these things can be done from practically anywhere practically that someone has an internet connection exactly now that's st- yeah. that still leaves the thousands upon thousands who have to work in the uh, warehouses who yeah. have deliveries well, yeah exactly but, obviously you know yeah until the robots get that. in obviously and but yes. right. And even those, you still need those people at three dollars. I could QC them from uh, home, to to make sure those robots are doing the right thing, yeah. right? Like with some That's surveillance, thing, I could quality check that stuff from home. But um, 
with description for your case. <laughs> yeah, truly. And it feels just like crushed a, five packages. <laughs> it feels like a classic <laughs> example of just resistance to change. Like Absolutely. it's all out and there, and people are just like, no, mm -hmm. can't do. Sorry. And speaking of accessibility, Isn't that what they're about. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And speaking of accessibility, let us move on. A uh, story from the BBC. Uh, where Sony, if you're if you're a gamer, you know and you're disabled. You know what it's like trying to come up with ways of playing your favorite games. You know, looking for the accessibility settings if they even exist, uh, or just trying to adapt your way around uh, what's made available to you. Well, uh, Sony has teamed up with accessibility experts to release a PlayStation Five controller for disabled gamers. The access controller is a highly customizable kit of different buttons, triggers, and sticks that lets players create a setup that suits their needs. Microsoft's adaptive controller, which can be used on Xbox and PC, has been available since 2018. This is the first device of its kind to be specifically designed by Sony for the PS5. Uh, quote, the idea is that you can unbox it and you can start using it right away as a PlayStation controller, according to Alvin Daniel, senior technical program manager at Sony Interactive. Um, the uh, designing accessibility products is a massive task. Everyone's needs are different. Technology is right. always evolving. Uh, so Sony's plan is to deal with it through customization, making it possible for each person to tailor the solution to their own individual requirements. And the unit has uh, a stick, sort of like those arcade sticks that you used to, and sometimes do still see, um, mm -hmm. and a ring of various buttons and triggers that I guess uh, go around a central, uh, a central big button. Um, it's an, it's an interesting design. I would be very curious to see it in action. I actually wonder if maybe something like one of, uh, AMI's shows like double tap Canada has maybe looked at this might be worth uh, checking out. And if not, they should. Yeah. Get the stuff sent to you so you can vet it <laughs> and there review we go. it. Right. Um, yes, that's what that's definitely what this is for. I also need a PS5 to be able to review this. Oh yeah, to be able to do, They'll send you yes, one of those please. too, Mark. They're just Xbox, falling off the shelf PS5. for we you. We need comparisons. There we go. Yeah. Yes. You, know? and um, you let me know, and I'll know what to go buy. How do you guys? Yeah, there we go. How do you guys usually react to this kind of thing? Like, does it feel like you know, very overdue, long time coming? Are we saying kind of cutting? them slack because the conversations around video gaming are just popping up a lot more in the disabled community, uh -huh. Mark? I'm not inclined to cut a company slack just because they finally come out with something. Sure. Uh, it's a matter of what the people who are going to use the device think about it. And I would be very right. curious to hear some reviews of this controller from disabled gamers. I know that my needs when I'm playing games usually re relate to the colors that are on screen, which are not always customizable. Some games are getting better about that, but I know mm. my favorite one that I play over and over I lose certain necessary things in the backgrounds. So if I, you know, when I die, it's like, oh, oh, whoops. Okay. What I guess, happened? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. I just got to yeah. dodge faster next time. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yes, like as mentioned, our needs are varied. Our needs are different. Um, and it has taken a very long time for various game companies and game producers to include more accessibility options in their offerings. But 
they're starting to come about. And there are even games that are designed for disabled gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yep. I yep. think there was one called The Veil that we've mentioned a few oh, times yeah. on AMI. That is Once in a blue moon, we've uh, mentioned yeah. that one. <laughs> and I think Just... I feel the same because, Mark, mostly I think right off the bat, what accessibility is there for me? I'm not a gamer right now. I'm the guy who would like to be to a, to a certain extent. So that's my first thought of what I know, what I would have to do. How would this work for me? Mm-hmm. And that's where I'd need that demo, that investigation from people who are in the same boat, but I, I love it. Mark, we'll try with you next week. Oh, no, we won't. Absolutely. Oh, my God, I did it again yeah, where yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah, Friday. Yeah. I did this right before we the wish. show. We'll talk we with wish you it was tomorrow. Friday. I know. You'll talk and, with you tomorrow. We'll talk with you next week, too. And I next opened week, up too. the yeah. wrong script. Can't get rid of me that easily. I know. Uh, we don't want uh, to. Talk to you later. Oh, uh, that's good. See ya. <laughs> 24 hours. Please come back for the Friday show. Uh, This is Mark (laughs) Phoenix on the buzz filling in for Bill Shackleton. In the second hour of the show, we're joined by AMI tech guru Leanne Brown on the roundtable with all those topics that Kelly's picked out. Plus, on our accessible gaming segment, Marcus McCracken is welcoming in Brandon Cole to chat about his involvement in the accessibility around the Forza Motorsport sport video game. And after the break, we're getting right into cooking with Mary Mammoliti about making our holiday parties stress-free. We'll be back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. This is it. We're in hour two of Kelly and Remya, the Thursday edition. So thanks for sticking around. We've got lots more coming your way with myself. I'm Remya Amuthan and Kelly McDonald. And of course, we love to bring in guests. So let's bring on our regular Thursday contributor, Mary Mamaliti of KitchenConfession.com. If you're like me, the kitchen is your favorite room in the house. I'm Mary Mamaliti, here with a handful of goodies from my kitchen, including food trends, cooking tips, and of course, some delicious recipes. Mary, how disastrous it would be if it was just me and Kelly for two hours trying to talk on all these (laughs) topics. Woo. Don't even want to think about it. There'd be a lot of lying, a lot of guesswork, right? Well, yeah. I think this means that, especially if you guys actually just sent us scripts in. And yeah. Here's what I'm doing, but I'm not showing up. How, Go ahead and talk uh, on it. How to make the holiday cooking stress-free. Well, don't cook. Don't invite people over yeah. and don't Do a lot out. of ordering <laughs> and, and repurpose the food. <laughs> Lock your hey, doors. As Mary's told us, enjoy your leftovers, right? Yeah, just make things stretch, so order even more. Yeah, no, we're so glad you're here, Mary. Um <laughs> Of course, okay. I love being here. Yeah. Well, it's that time of year, of course, the season for joy, laughter, and a little bit of stress, as we've been talking about. But today you are covering us with all the tips to making hosting this holiday stress-free, or at least as stress-free as possible for us. And you're dishing out the do's and don'ts, pointing out those essentials that we tend to forget, and all this to make sure that our event, our um, events are not just memorable, but stress-free for us and the people and i'm assuming the cheat code is not just more booze so tell us what else well that's for mary there'd be a little less stress right a little more grappa yeah just a tad and then dab a little behind the ear uh, for good luck there's honestly there's so much i want to get into so i'm going to jump right in and i'm going to start with a few things that you may forget when hosting this holiday first one Ample seating. It sounds simple, yeah. but we tend to get locked into the whole menu, 
um, of what we're making, of what we're doing, of what we're bringing, the, the whole thing. And the seating honestly gets overlooked. So you want to make sure that there's enough comfortable seating for your guests. And I stress comfortable. So you want to consider the number of guests, the layout of your space, make arrangements maybe for extra chairs if you need them, folding chairs. They're always good. Stools are a great space saver. However, I do want to point out that sitting without back support for a long period of mm. time, no matter what age you are, uh -huh. it's just not comfortable for anyone. Right. So keep that in mind when you're trying to plan a little bit of seating. And then because honestly, seating, it can make a significant difference. Just ensuring that everyone has a comfortable, enjoyable time. So don't let seating arrangements, don't leave that for the last minute. Don't let it be an afterthought. Plan ahead on that one. Okay. How can we, the hosts, be more inclusive of all the guests? What do we need to keep in mind? So many things, but we're going to pick on a little, a few of them right now. And at the top of my list, make sure your home or event venue is physically accessible. So if you're hosting a party at your house, Clear any clutter from the doorways, hallways, so people can move easily through the space. Um, ask the guests or the guest that, you know, if there's anything you can assist them with. I appreciate that, me personally. Um, it just, it helps me kind of feel a little more at ease. And then right. be mindful of guest preferences regarding music volume. Oh, it's about to be a fight. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, because sometimes, especially if someone has a hearing impairment or specific oh, sensory needs, right, it could be a little cue. I mean, because I tend to put the volume a little high. Same. That's just me. You're the same, right? So just keep that in mind, at the back of your mind. The other one I want to mention, allergy-friendly options. So this one's crucial to consider di dietary restrictions and allergies, right? So your guests will, the, honestly, they'll appreciate the little thoughtfulness of including options, you know, that cater to various dietary needs so maybe like vegetarian vegan gluten-free dishes um just make a note to inquire about these dietary preferences beforehand if you don't just include a variety of allergy-friendly options it's just to ensure that everyone can indulge and have a fun fun festivities without worrying about anything mm -hmm. the other one i want to mention entertainment for all ages Right. Um, this one, right? Because adults, we don't need much in terms of entertainment mm -hmm. as long as we have conversation, right? That usually and the music's can, up well, loud so you don't quickly. have to have conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so just turn up the music. If you hear the conversation going south really quickly, yeah, turn well, up the music. With my family, it wouldn't work because we'd just get louder than the stereo yeah, system. What yeah. did you say? That's all we did. Go ahead, Mary. Right, but the but there's always the younger ones that attend, right? So right. plan activities or set up like a designated space with games, entertainment, suitable for children. Um, whether it's a holiday-themed crafting station, a kid-friendly movie corner, maybe some simple board games. Anyway, just providing options for all ages. It'll ensure, honestly, that everyone has a good time from youngest to oldest, and they're included. So, Mayor, here's the question, because with all this anxiety and all the stuff you're doing to get ready, what are some of those little details we forget about? Yeah, yeah. So, first one, ensure you have ample supply of essential items. So, what I'm talking about here are napkins, utensils, extra toiletries. Um, that's in case someone has a little too much eggnog and ends up sleeping over. No, I'm just joking. Mm -hmm. uh, Especially the spiked eggnog, right? <laughs> Yep. Right. Just toiletries in terms of even toilet paper, like just anything that will will run out quickly. Check that you have enough serving dishes. That's another one that gets overlooked. 
and then cleaning supplies to handle maybe any unexpected spills or mishaps that may happen. So being well prepared with these essentials, it'll help you navigate any unforeseen challenges. Honestly, make it smoother, ensure a seamless hosting experience. Okay, Mary, we've been talking a lot about menu just over the last couple of weeks. You know, do hosts handle everything? Do hosts handle nothing? Are we doing potlucks? So what do you want to say about this? Simple, over the top? And you know where I stand on this. If someone offers to bring something, take them up on it. Say yes. Mm. Um, But also, I want you to keep in mind, simplify the menu, right? So while an elaborate feast, it can be tempting And it's essential to balance ambition with practicality. So opt for a menu that includes maybe a mix of make-ahead dishes, simple recipes, uh, maybe a few store-bought items. I love that. Incorporate that in. It's just to save you time and effort. Prioritize the dishes that can be prepared in advance. Maybe allow a little extra time that you can spend and enjoy more time with your company and your guests, right? Because Remember, it's the the quality of the time spent together. That's what makes the holiday memorable, not the complexity of the menu or the dishes. I'm always running away and hiding in the kitchen. So, (laughs) you don't have to talk. You don't have to do anything. That's why I also turn up the music, as you said earlier. I'm really starting to get the impression (laughs) that the two of you are like, nope, no one's home. Lock the door. Turn off the lights. We're done. He said. No one's coming in. I I still think the best parties I've had is when I'm there alone. (laughs) And you get to be greedy, eat what you want, play the music as loud as you want, or just, I'm tired now before I eat. Uh, We're very grouchy. But let's talk about showing up, being that gracious guest. Because it goes a little beyond showing up with a bottle of wine. Is there any do's and don'ts regarding our lasting impression that we leave? So there are some. And these are a few that I want you to keep in mind. I'm going to start with, I'm just going to go with like do, don't, do, don't. So the first one, do serve a holiday dinner on paper plates. Yes, it's okay to do this. Just make sure that the plates are sturdy enough to handle the heavy meal. The holidays, <laughs> right? They're more about creating memories, <laughs> building relationships. Oh, are you ever creating, reminding me or uh, <laughs> diving right back into, hey, this plate's nice and full. Well, not anymore. Half of it rolled off right. because the plate bent. <laughs> that, that's Lovely. it. That's exactly it. Oh, I pile up my plate, especially if it's, I don't know about the two of you, if it's a uh, buffet, which is a nightmare for me, Um I tend to just either have someone help me out or I pile it up. I'm like, so this because I'm not going back for round two. So I want to no make sure way, that I do man, have a round two own. in my plate. Yep. Right? Yep. <laughs> trying to remember the one brand that I liked was the, what do they call them? The paper plates that were China, something they call, they had China oh. in the name, but they were nice and sturdy. Chinette, I think, I think that's right. Irene just said that to me and I think that is right. But I used to have that viewpoint. They were, they were nice and sturdy enough. I could put even more mm-hmm. on the plate, but then you'd get some that were just horrible. What else, Mayor? Don't prance into the home with your shoes on. So if you are unsure, always ask. Always ask if you're unsure. Right? Just, yeah. You can do, take photos. They say it's okay. Leave them on. Yeah, it just, it all depends. But if you're unsure, just ask. Yeah. Do take photos of the event to capture the special moments. But don't assume that everyone wants to be on social media. (laughs) So you don't, right? You don't need to ask everyone for permission. However, this is just, what you want to do is, if a guest is sensitive about it, and you know this, then be mindful. Don't post any pictures that they're in. 
And like, especially Don't, later in the right? night, okay? Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. yeah. We've yeah. all had a lot of spikes. A friend of mine with food all over his shirt. <laughs> hey, look, he looks great. Exactly. He's a hit on, on, on Twitter, X. Yeah. <laughs> so be mindful. Don't be the guest that doesn't promptly respond to an invitation. Mm. And I say this because it's happened to all of us, I think, once in our lifetime. Where it's, honestly, it's it's rude. But it has happened where chances are the guest just may have forgotten. So be prepared for a polite yet firm follow-up text message or email from the host. I love it. It's just because the host, it's just because the host needs to finalize any food seating, yes. et cetera. That's right. Yeah, That's we talked right. about and it yesterday they, with good etiquette yeah, for parties. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just yeah. to prompt them to decide whose place they're going to. I mean, which in the, invitation that's yes. better they're waiting for. I, I, and the last one I want to mention, the in the wise words of Martha Stewart, don't try to clean while your guests are still sitting at the table unless absolutely <laughs> necessary. <laughs> like someone's half their food rolled off the uh, inadequate paper plate you handed them. <laughs> yeah, like that yeah, restaurant that's been... saying, look, we got a lineup outside, would you please? <laughs> And my favorite has been the folding up of the folding chairs. <laughs> That's like, yeah, it is time to lock yourself out to go. <laughs> Mary, you're so funny. Okay, thank you so much. We'll chat with you next week. All right, bye. Yeah, bye. now fold up your chair and get going, will you? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's okay if the guest does it themselves. That's right, exactly. I'm done here. The food's all gone. See ya. Maybe the cleaning of the table, okay? Here you have when the food's all... Oh, as a guest, (laughs) I was going to say. Yeah, okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back with Accessible Gaming. Marcus McCracken (laughs) joins us once a month, and today he's welcoming in uh, Brandon Cole to talk about Forza Motorsports. This has become very accessible for blind, low-vision video gamers, and we're very excited to learn more about it. We'll be right back. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Still not done laughing about the uh, <laughs> don't fold the folding chairs and put them away while people are sitting there. It's like when you're at a hey. restaurant and they come along, well, let's wipe that table. <laughs> My shirt. It's- yeah, well, they have a spot. <laughs> It's the opposite side of the table I was wiping, all right? Everybody, calm down. Calm down. It's a big enough table. Yeah, yeah. It's time for you to go. It's 9 (laughs) p.m. We've been here for hours. Well, what do you got? My show comes on at 9 p.m. Get out. (laughs) Yeah. I know my TV's better than yours, but uh, you got to go home now. I'm in my pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) You don't plan to stay around, right? I have no snacks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Anything to get them to leave, right? (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Speaking of snacks, while you're gaming, you got to often have snacks. I'm not Mm. so sure our next uh, guest, host and guest, maybe that's not the way they think. Maybe they're too focused on the game. So I'd like to welcome in first, as we do this, on the second Thursday of the month, we get Accessible Gaming. Uh, we welcome Marcus McCracken in here, who today is bringing a wonderful guest as he brings in accessibility consultant on the newest Forza game, Forza game, uh, Brandon Cole. We welcome both of them in. And guys, before we hand the, the reins over to you, let's take a look at this trailer that you've provided us with, Brandon, um, pertaining to kind of line us up, get us ready for this conversation. Folks, uh, so here we go. The biggest challenge was overcoming the natural barrier that already exists between blind people and racing. 
uh, blind people and driving. I'm one of those people, you know, I've never driven a vehicle. I've, I've been blind all my life. So Forza is a AAA simulation racing style game. I will fully admit that it took me a while to notice that I was no longer crashing all the time, that I would spend a long time not going off track. I wanted to just shatter that barrier, break through that ceiling and say, no, you can control this, this vehicle. This is your road now. Welcome to Forza. Just blows oh, my mind. Oh, that's exciting. I mean, the whole idea of that this is, so is just, this rocks, guys. Yeah. And looking forward to this conversation because me as a non-gamer who's been waiting for this kind of stuff uh, all my life to get me addicted, to get me to lose my job mm -hmm. over it and everything like that, <laughs> this sounds like the thing that could do it. Marcus, I'm going to let you uh, pick up the ball. Let's get into the conversation. And Brandon, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having uh, myself again. And again, Brandon, thank you very much for taking the time to come and talk on Forza with us. Yeah, happy to be um, here. Kelly, we really do need to get you into the gaming mm -hmm. in the new year. Told you, when you hit London, we go on a big shopping spree. Might even use <laughs> some of your money. That's how big it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was an excellent intro, and I'm glad Brandon recommended using that intro for it. It's yeah. a great lead-in. Um, for myself, I do have a little bit of a site, but I'm using a lot of the settings uh, during my career. And as I progress, I'm potentially shutting certain ones off. But the one that I'm using a lot right now until I get into the online mode, of course, is uh, I'm not 100% sure what the, the, the mode name is, but there's no collision. So I'm literally driving through cars as opposed to hitting them. Um, when I do my own exhibition races, I do have that turned off so that I have to practice going around the other cars. Still lots of practice there. I do a lot of hitting than I do going around them. Uh. But it's a lot of, uh, you do have to use your hearing. There's a lot of cues that you, I would recommend going through the settings and just studying the cues, like that, uh, the noise cues for the steering, going around the maps. I'm able to use the line a little bit, depending on how the weather is. The sun beams down on that road really good. And once that sun hits the road, I that's when I have to use the audio cues. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> that's a common problem. Um, but typically, it, it's pretty good. Yeah, and yeah. I've heard, like, honestly, I, I have a friend who's just decked out in everything you need to make this an optimized experience for you to play uh, Forza as a blind person. So, Brandon, maybe you could tell us about what that setup is like. Well, that kind of depends on what you mean. Um, so... Forza, the, the nice thing about Forza is it, is it, it offers a lot of options, uh, and I mean a lot of options. And one of those options is the use of a racing wheel, so a yep. controller that is also a steering wheel. Now, right. if that's what you mean, yep. um, that is that is certainly yeah, that's that's certainly. I don't know. It's 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 difficult to say whether I would call that an optimized way to play as a blind person, at least to start with. Mm. Um, I typically it almost seems like a logical with, way, doesn't it, Brandon? Kind of, kind of, but also. One of the things that we worked very hard on with this game was the learning curve that this game represents, because this this game is yeah. it, it it asks a lot of you. Um, you know, as as I mentioned in that trailer, you know, I had to learn concepts, you know, just about driving, just about how cars worked. You know, uh, so we're asking new players to learn these things as they play, and 
that's why I typically recommend that you start with a controller. But you know, if you if you want to migrate to using something like a wheel, that's certainly an option for you as well because we support a bunch of different wheels. Uh, and when, once you do that, you are in for a more realistic experience, which is ultimately where you should be headed. But yeah. I just typically recommend for the gamers out there, the, the new blind players that are just playing Forza for the first time, right. start with a controller, see where that gets you, and then okay. and then you know migrate to the wheel if you're feeling if you're feeling up to it. Because not everyone is, believe it or not. No. Okay. No. How, how did you get into consulting originally? Anyway, how, how did this all start mm. for you? So. This I love telling this story. So thanks. Um, <laughs> so uh, my career essentially began when my fiance uttered three simple words. They're not the ones you're thinking of. Nope, nope. They are. <laughs> they are. You should blog. Oh. And the reason she said oh. that is because for a long time she would be playing games for me. She'd be playing games that I could not play, that I, you know, for whatever reason, could not fully appreciate she would play them for me so I could at least listen to them and get that experience. And every time she did that, I would always have these ideas and I would always say them to her. I'd be like, well, I mean, man, it's it sucks that I can't play this game, but if it only had this and this and this, then mm -hmm. I could. And she was like, you should blog. You should write this stuff down. Uh, this was in the early 2000s. And at the time, and this is what she pointed out, you know, she was like, there is no resource like this. There is no resource no. that is telling developers what they need to do to make games accessible. Right. And uh, at the time, I don't know if anyone here is, you know, old like me, but uh, uh, anyone uh, knows uh, what well, live journal yeah, is. It... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if anyone knows what live journal is, but at the time I had a live journal and I was like, I can't keep up with a live journal and you want me to blog? Mm. You know, uh, so I, I was a little bit opposed to it originally, but she she did eventually get me to do it. I started blogging and I would write these ideas down, these thoughts I had about how to make games accessible. So I guess I was always an accessibility consultant in my mind. Uh, and that blog got noticed by a few people, uh, namely a mobile developer who was making uh, a working on a panel for the Game, De Game Developers Conference in 2014, invited me to be on his panel. Uh, uh, as as kind of a blind gamer perspective, it was very very you know this is before I had a career in this. This is just just being a blind gamer. Um, right. Wanted me to be on a panel about mobile accessibility. I went to that panel and it happened to be co-moderated by Ian Hamilton, who a lot of people are familiar with as the kind of the head honcho of game accessibility. He he does a lot of things for different disability types. Uh, he just is a general advocate for accessibility, and he also is the co-founder of the Game Accessibility Conference, which he did three years after that. But because I met him on that panel and did well on that panel in 2014, he invited me to speak at the first ever Game Accessibility Conference in 2017, which is where I connected with Naughty Dog, um, the developer who created The Last of Us Part Two, right. and then subsequently Part One, as funny as that sounds, but there you go. Um, <laughs> so I, I connected with them there, and uh, you know the story. I could I could go I could go for hours on this, but the, the rest is history. Uh, that's where I got my start, and I knew, you know, when I hooked up with them, that that's what I wanted my career to be, and I've worked towards that ever since. And I have yeah. done multiple things and have multiple contracts, and it's a very, very, very good and fulfilling career. It's wicked nice. because you were doing it before you were doing it. You know, like you yeah, just yeah, I love were that. exactly. So tell us then, what did you bring to Forza um, on the consulting side of things, or like what we know the accessibility to be as it is now in the game. Yeah, so my experience of you know working on video games and consulting for video games in the past 
combined with my general, you know, let's figure this out mentality. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm what I like to call a solution-based thinker. You know, I, I, I look at a problem, the problem of why can't we play this game? And I say, let's figure it out and let's make it, make it not that, you know? <laughs> so right. yeah. uh, I brought that to the table. And then I brought a willingness to both teach and to learn. Because mm. the thing is, you know, my team, the team that I worked with on the game had to be the ones to teach me all these concepts I talked about. They were the ones that taught me that, for instance, you have to slow down when you're taking a turn in a racing game. I didn't mm. know that. No, I legitimately wouldn't. didn't know that because right. in, the, in the in the games in the games that exist for the blind that are racing games, the audio only racing games that exist out there today, um, they are very non simulation. They're very arcade. They're very you know, there's no physics. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. So because of that, you also don't have to slow down when you're when you're turning in those games. The idea is to go as fast as you can and just turn in time. Uh, so it's yep. it's very unrealistic. But you know it, you know because that was all we had, we we you know we played those games. Um, but you know, I had to learn concepts like that. But meanwhile, I was teaching them, I was teaching that team how to make a game blind accessible. I had to teach them concepts like, you know, uh, they, they were constantly worried about how much information auditorily that a blind person could process. Mm, and I was right. like, trust me. Which, which does make <laughs> sense, obviously. I mean, it's sort of like hearing too much description at once, but for everyone, it's a bit different, but you got to push the envelope, right? Well, also, yeah, also our yeah. world I, is auditory and tactile. So yeah. Exactly, exactly. I said, trust yeah. me, we we parse more audio than you think we do all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, just because you yeah, guys are distracted. Sure, sure. Hey, guys, we exactly. have um, a sample of you, Brendan, playing Forza, so we want to play that a little bit to give people an idea of what the gaming is like. Sure, yeah. And Brandon came back and he was like, wait, is, wait, is it happening? You, is this really are, happening right now? You are perfect yeah, right now. You're driving. You're perfect. Yeah. Oh, look at this turn, Brandon. When it did happen, at the same time, it was out of the blue. But I remember just genuinely being baffled at first, like, wait a minute, I'm not going off track. Wait a minute, I just made that turn. To get to a point where you're not crashing all the time, it felt it felt like the 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 gap had been bridged. That was that was that was a real, you know, I, I talk about accessibility being breaking barriers. And that I think is the the point where the barrier broke. And we cruise to the end of the lap. <laughs> you can hear your feel in it, Brandon, but we got to ask, yeah. with being consultant, with doing all, how did you feel? Like, I mean, I can hear, it's like, oh my God. It's like saying to me, I'm flying. Yeah. How did you feel? It, it felt that way. It felt that way. It, yeah. it was it was very it was very freeing. It was like, you know, when when you come up with a series of ideas, you know, for how to make a game work and how to make it accessible to, to the blind, uh, you do you do have a sense of, you know, there's always a, can we do it? Will these ideas be the ones that work? You know, will will can we make this happen? And when I, I go through moments like that, you know, when, I, when I'm completing that turn for the first time, doing well on a track for the first time, that's the moment where I, I, I know that we've done it. And that that's a that's an incredible feeling. Uh, it, it doesn't beat the post launch feeling, though, um, because you know, I, I know that I've, you know, in that moment, I knew I did it for myself. I knew I did it well enough that I could play the game. Yeah. But could other players play the game? You know, uh, getting in, in other people's hands after launch, uh, you know, listening to them react to it and, and play the game. And now knowing that there are people that are better at me, better than me at this game now, which I'm, I'm actually really, really happy about because that is the indication that we did it right. Oh, That's yeah, awesome. for sure. And what a what a thing to know. Um, 
Marcus, wonderful bringing Brandon with us today to talk about the new Forza game. And really, thank you, Brandon, for sharing your life to being a consultant and how we could use the voices of yourself and so many others to help these, these designers do this. Thank you. wonder if yeah, Marcus, you're, you're better than very Brandon. Oh, Marcus. Remains to be seen so far. <laughs> okay. Oh, invite okay. me to that challenge, boys. Yeah. I would like to sit in for we that. We support multiplayer. We could go. We can Let's go. Let's go. One one. After the show. I'm, yeah. I'm you guys in Forza. <laughs> look at look, look at Rumya rocking the boat, guys. Guys, thank what? you very much. This was beautiful. It. <laughs> it was very wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we get uh, Accessible Gaming with Marcus McCracken on the second Thursday of the month. And weekly on Thursdays, we get into the roundtable conversation. It's a nice way to kind of wrap up the show. After the break, we're getting into it with Leanne Barda. She's our IT specialist here at AMI, a.k.a. tech guru extraordinaire. We'll be back with that. This is Kelly and Ramia. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. It's Kelly and Ramia. You're hanging out with us after a uh, an accessible gaming chat we just had with Marcus McCracken and Brandon Cole about Forza Motorsports. And I'm telling you, Kels, this thing is just absolutely hitting the ceiling or breaking so, the roof. So you with the uh, you have someone in your world that plays it. I'm going to be playing it, tried it with right? them no, no, very soon. Yet. But I they have. Know that's the point. Okay, they, they have, have it, but you haven't and, yet. And they've not just been playing it. They're like very avid gamers, and so yeah. this is the most exciting thing that they've tried in a while, even with that context, right? Even with the context of nice. being big gamers and uh, being really techie people and just like keeping an so, ear out for these kind of things all the time. When you, when you, have you witnessed them playing this game yet? Not yet, no, but they do have everything. I, they've uh, really lured I, me into the context. I really wonder about things when we talk about these games now, and again, not being a person who, I don't even really play any of the games on my iPhone. So I kind of get funny uh, wondering, do I have to have headset? Can I play this game particularly? Because mm. the sound I got. You play it with your Sonos you know, Arc. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Okay, <laughs> let's move on, folks. It's time for the roundtable. And let's bring on our guest and the weekly Thursday roundtable. Isn't it convenient that we have a roundtable? Well, it's actually it oval. Just say yeah, the blind guy feels it now. Goes, <laughs> well, I, don't know. Well, I guess it is oval. Welcome, folks. We're going to have a lot of fun today because, well, because I have some sneaky things to bring up during the conversation in studio alongside Ramya for the roundtable, where we have an open conversation on many topics that I select. Today, we welcome from our IT department, our uh, systems specialist over there, Leanne Brown, who does so many things. You hear us say, Leanne, whenever the word Help, it's often followed by <laughs> Leanne. Help, Leanne. Uh, Leanne, welcome back. I'm doing great, Kel. How are you? Awesome. Glad to have you here. And you have had a real special week here, um, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Tuesday, you did a demonstration for all of us staff. Uh, really summing up what's gone on to get these live shows into the circumstance we're in. We've got a new control room. Everybody's heard us talk about that here on the program. We've got to work with a, a bunch of new people to AMI. We took our show from being an audio-only show. We're simulcast now. We are we are heard on AMI-audio and, and watched on AMI-tv. But to do this, many things had to happen. 
uh, starting even a couple of years before our launch on January 9th, which is coming up for our one year being on here. Some of the things that you talked about were just amazing as we walked through so much, but I'm obviously not going to ask you to do that here now. But would love to know if you would talk a little bit about for the audience, especially nine, well, we're eight months in, uh, at our end anyway here, about some of the things that they may find interesting that you could uh, speak to about doing this process, whether it's unique to our show or you know, unique to now in the morning, uh, anything that comes to your mind that's an interesting little tell-all behind scenes for those who really like that stuff. Oh, boy. Um, well, it's certainly not the first studio build that I've been involved with in my years of broadcast engineering, but all of them have been radio studios. So to be involved in a project that was also TV-based was something entirely new for me, mm -hmm. especially when, I mean, not a lot of people know that audio for TV is different than just audio for audio. So mm -hmm. I learned a whole bunch of new things over the last year of, of being involved in the build with our third-party integrator that I never knew was a thing until it became a thing and started causing problems. So it's been yeah. quite a learning experience for me, too. Well, I have to say, and Ramya, please weigh in on this, because one of the things that has been Hard for us, I took broadcast radio, Rum did as well. So much of our team is used to, whether it be Matt Agnew, who um, d you know went and produced music and stuff like that, and music production and so many things like that. Jeff Ryman, also studying media, uh, sports media. We are auditory people, more used to that. For us, it was a, a bit of a challenge. And Rum, uh, give Leanne a moment to kind of get her thoughts around what I'm kind of after here. You, I know, for yourself, kept saying, hey, man. Where's our old sound? Because right. it is so different. It's different. Um, there's a lot more going on now, right? It's not just sound. You're now trying to get everything uh, to work seamlessly together, to cooperate. There's a bigger team because there are more elements that we need to worry about. Um, and it's still live, so there's that aspect of it, right? Not just uh, record a pod and then fix it in post. And yeah, Leanne, you've been having to not just learn uh, to deal with all these things, but to teach us what's going on as you learn it as well. So there's just moving parts every single day because it's a daily show. Absolutely. It's uh, the last year. I mean, going into um, next week, I think, would have been the week that the previous shows were on a hiatus week because yeah. we were then into rehearsal preparing for our January 9th launch. So yeah, it's it's been a crazy learning process for everybody. And I mean, especially, as I said in my presentation to the staff earlier this week, for you two in particular to transition from just an audio show to a TV show where you have to worry about what you're wearing, how mm. your makeup is, you've got, you know... Where to look. Where to look, yeah. listening to a script in your ear while you're also listening to intercom from the, the producers out in the production control room. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable what goes mm. into making a TV show. Yeah, it takes me back when you say this time last year. It's like, yeah, this time last year was unreal. <laughs> yeah, it was. Why, were you nervous? No, Romeo? just I couldn't even keep up with what the heck was going on because there was a lot. Pam, were you nervous? Were you um, nervous that we were like just things were just going to go to pot? Um, yeah, there were a couple of days I think where everybody on the on the technical side of things was worried: were we actually going to have it all put together for the January 9th launch? Because it was at that point the decision hadn't been made. It was January 9th, and that was it. 
So we had to be ready. <laughs> yeah, we, I remember having a discussion with everybody. Hey, is it possible? No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and but I, you didn't hear what I was going to say. It's still no. Yeah, and ahead, I, I do remember that uh, day one, January 9th, for both shows was a lot of, you know, breath holding and yes. hand holding and get through the first show, the morning show now with Dave Brown and heave a big sigh of relief. Okay, we got through that one pretty good for day one. Now we got to make it through the afternoon show, and I think everybody did great. Yeah, I remember that first few moments, um, and it was, I don't remember if it was tweeted out or just sent out through Teams or what, just that few seconds as we went to air and later on everybody, and just the relief. And again, you know, you look at things and say, okay, th things went pretty good. Were we worried about nothing? Of course not. There's always things to think about. And as the year has gone on, Leanne, there's things that have presented themselves, I'm sure, as well. When you get that call, we're trying this now. Um, is there any one other unique thing uh, to what you've been asked to do here. Like you said, you've been in on other builds before, but was there anything else unique? I know we're not the first simulcast program, for example. Look at the gang over at Sportsnet. Um, I think for me, the other unique thing would have been, you know, transitioning from when these shows began, that your show here was a simulcasted show on both TV and AMI-audio, and now we've rejig things a little bit and now we're sending uh you guys are back to just an audio show meanwhile the morning show has shifted to tv but the yeah. online stream as well so yeah there are always moving parts always things changing in the background and we just do the best that we can to to make things work as the needs shift and we're looking forward to the day that we're available on ami plus as that that site unfolds and so many things you guys are trying to do to work and, and make all the programming available in so many ways to people leanne thank you uh, okay i'll get off that subject now and let's move into cineplex where the word is that november brought box office revenues of 35 million dollars as canadians came out to watch the likes of the marbles and the latest hunger games movie the Toronto-based company says the results compared with box office revenues of $52 million during the same month in 2019 and were slightly lower than October's numbers. Cineplex says lower business volumes are expected in the near future due to the impacts of the Hollywood strikes. The company also announced it's entered into a credit facility extension with its lenders and that strong second and third quarter results have allowed it to pay down roughly $55 million as a result. Lisa Laporte, The Canadian Press, Toronto. So, Ramya, how does this impact you in the way of movies? Are you dying to get into a theater or are you quite fine with things the way they're oh, in? So no. Why? Why wouldn't you be? What, what, uh, what do you like about what you have now? This question, I think, would come across differently for someone who was a movie buff to begin with, who was a theater buff, just wanted to go out to watch movies. That was part of that big experience. I don't even want to generalize and say it's a generational thing, but for me, I am so comfortable at home. I am so prepped for uh, staying at home and watching movies, and it's just because I've always been that way. Like, I've always loved my sound bar, loved my uh, at-home experiences, optimized it for myself, that home theater vibe, that I didn't miss it when it happened. Whereas some people on the other side of the spectrum, um, I think of Dave Brown immediately because, you know, every day almost he was talking about missing the theaters, missing going out, missing that experience of just things are released, things hit the theaters, and trying to grab a ticket for your favorite movie, your favorite people uh, coming out, right? The anticipation, whereas it's just never been part of my equation. 
Leanne, have you noticed that line? I don't know what age it might be because I do think it is more of a generational thing for so many people who may not run out and, and get a sound bar quite yet or their use of it's a bit different or their willingness to spend. I mean, as an audio person, I'll spend money to get that wonderful sound, plus I'm somewhat semi-antisocial. But the point is... I come from that era going and sitting in a theater and having the big bang and the sound mm. of it um, versus somebody who's grown up with that power, the power bar, uh, sound bar and so on. Uh, well, I'm more on the side of Ramya as well. I can't even remember the last movie that I went to. It's been that long. And I also have some sensory issues going on. So being in a theater with that loud, mm. I can't modulate what the volume is that's coming at me is a little bit difficult for me to deal with. So I tend to stay more at home again, like Rami, where I can have control over the sound and how I experience things compared to being stuck in a theater with it all just blaring around me and wanting yeah. me to curl up under the seat and just wait for it to be over. So And also content-wise, like we're now so used to streaming everything, Leanne. Like yes. so much of our actual watching experience is available through the apps and through our smart devices and just at home, period. So now you almost have to like drag yourself out to to think of that experience like a watching movie or watching something experience as social like there's got to be other factors that you enjoy to make the theater experience more beneficial than just like this content is only available in theaters absolutely mm -hmm. i i don't think i mean if somebody asked me to go to the theater i would go yeah but to go there on my own or just to suggest it to somebody, no, why Why do I want to go out and people like that? When you're an introvert, no, I'm sorry. I'd rather sit at home on my couch yeah. under my blanket and be able to pause things, get up, move around, and not have to worry about bothering other people. Oh, yeah. yeah it's That's just, a fair point, too, just sitting there for wow. an hour and a half plus yeah. at movies. And, and to me, the sound that you have at home or could have, even if you don't have to go out and spend thousands to have good sound with these movies, but it does argue, bring the question up as we talk about them bringing out VIP and things like that for people. You want to drink you want to eat you know all the things you yeah. can do at home but if you add up all the money one would spend and some people really enjoy as you mentioned dave going to x number of movies a month but then you start saying well hold on i got to own all these different services if i'm going to do that but you know you could pay for a month for just two services and still not equal what it costs you to go out to that movie huh. and even to eat yeah. and yeah. everything like that when you really think about it and if you're a person that does one movie a week you, blow, you can own BritBox and everything else that's out there available to you and see all these things. Eh, you may have to wait. Or even if you order the movie through Rogers or whatever, eh, you got it. Um, in a year where artificial intelligence has created plenty of buzz, the co-founder of one of Canada's biggest companies in the sector says it's all about the simple uses of AI. Nick Frost of Toronto-based AI company Cohere says he gets most excited about AI uses that other people would think are boring, like using AI to extract information from resumes. Frost says he tries to focus on what the technology can do today and in the future, but not get lost in what he calls the distant sci-fi. While many like Frost are trying to be realistic about AI, others say it could lead to the demise of humanity. Though the future of AI is still uncertain, most people agree that the technology will disrupt every sector. Michelle Zedekian, The Canadian Press. Now, before the demise of humanity, Leanne, where are you <laughs> seeing it used in the areas of audio or in your field? I don't think that I'm seeing it for audio specifically. I know that some members on our tech services team here 
are big into the, the interest value of AI. I'm, again, one of those people. I'm more on the—I think it has some value, and it can be a good tool for some things. But if we're not careful with it, I'm worried about the taking over humanity part of it. For myself, I really haven't dug that much into it. I'm really not that interested at this point. I'd rather do my own Run. research. I'd rather learn my own things instead of mm. have some bot pull information for me. Mm -hmm. Even with okay, troubleshooting and such and diagnosing, like, I would think that that's where AI would be most helpful, like um, extrapolate the data that's already out there and being able to find patterns and solutions. Um, I never thought about that, and that's actually a really good case study for it. But honestly, I would I, at this point anyway, if there's a problem happening, I would rather throw myself into it right. and try and figure it out for myself before I go searching for someone to solve the problem for me. Yeah. I learn better mm -hmm. that way. Yeah, and I feel I like that's a part of a trust and issue an, an observational thing too. Yeah, sorry, Ram, go ahead. So finish that thought. Please. Yeah, that, that that's what I'm thinking. Like a lot of what we're experiencing right now in terms of opinion about AI, like this concept of yay or nay, it comes from do we trust it or do we not? Would we rather our own brains or what we think AI is doing? And I think that's very fair to have this question mark because um, we know how much bias AI has still, right? Like we're dealing with yeah. AI biases as a whole category of itself. And I think no matter what, we use it, we may not even really necessarily recognize yet as things get developed and equipment and testing means of testing stuff starts to happen. For sure, I think you're gonna see it there, hopefully subtly enough, so that we can make our shifts, that we can trust, because we all know that it, it's gotta prove itself that we can trust something, and yeah. can we trust something 100%? Not necessarily ever. Leanne, thank you so much for being with us on the program here. Oh, thanks for having me again, I had fun. We'll do this again next year. I appreciate it and thank you. And uh, again, wonderful, wonderful discussion earlier in the week that uh, we all learned a lot from. Uh, Leanne Brown from our IT department. We'll always love having her on the program. Ramya and I will step. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. See, the uh, IT, the uh, IT, the uh, AI? AI is starting to happen here. Uh, right? You got to run it on me it's here. taking over yeah, your brain, huh? Autopilot, yeah. autopilot. Yeah, exactly. That's a whole different thing. We're going to take a break. Uh, stick around. We are wrapping up the show, but we still got a couple more things we got to handle, including telling you what's coming up on the Friday edition of Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Yes, of course, there comes a time when we do wrap up the show here on AMI. It's Kelly and Ramia, and we got a couple things that we want to get to before we wrap properly, uh, starting with a reminder for podcasts. Check out Kelly and Ramia on your favorite podcast platform. That's anywhere, anytime, on whatever platform you prefer. I've been actually, I know we're on Spotify, and that's great because Spotify is so well-received, but I've actually still preferred going to Apple Podcasts for my podcast so listening. It's kind I, of I annoying, right? Trying to mix all the music and the pods and the audiobooks. I've decided uh, that you I know prefer what? an you app for You just get each. so used to yeah. just doing it. Yeah, exactly. Like you have your, I think in my head, that's what you're supposed to. Like it's I so guess. weird listening to audiobooks on TuneIn sometimes. A, year, a long time yeah. ago, they had stuff like that. And it, when I first started playing with it, 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 they were on there. Then they went away yeah. and now they're back. So it's kind of weird. 
It's like having separate windows on your computer rather than just everything looped into one thing, like stacked under one window. I'm just yeah, not a but fan. The beauty is they're all at least in one little it's device available. in your hand, yeah. right? <laughs> and my preferred is not your preferred, so that's what's good for like the general. But anyway, exactly. That was supposed to be a reminder with a tangent attached to it. Uh, now let's check out now with Dave Brown. Friday morning, the real Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI TV live. This is our morning show. Alex Smith is filling in for Dave brown because steve brown is under the weather so what do they got planned for friday morning kills buffalo that's all i'll say to you brown whatever you're saying no matter what you're telling people i'll say oh seriously buffalo last he's, weekend he's sick okay yeah yeah and never mind you yes, don't even yes, know what yes. i'm saying i'm talking to oh, dave not you. he knows uh, we know. come on he it knows a secret uh-huh. Uh-huh. It certainly wasn't. That's why I'm wondering why you're saying, hmm, yes, Dave, feel better, pal. Oh, God. A slightly different news panel, folks with Mike Ross on it, Joita Guta from The Pulse, all join Alex Smythe filling in for an ailing Dave Brown as they get into the issues of the week, the federal government's introduction of its much-discussed dental coverage plan. The panel will discuss how the plan will work and debate how effective it will be for intended recipients. Laura Bain will be there with the Entertainment Report and Karen McKay from the Center for Equitable Library Access will reveal Sella's top downloaded titles of 2023. Oh, Ooh, that's going to be fun. Ah, you betcha. You want to care to make some guesses? Um, Britney Spears' memoir might be on there. Yeah, that was big. That was popular. Um, Matthew Perry sure making a comeback. No, with I don't the know. I don't think. I don't think it'll be the one really? of the top downloads. No. <gasps> Spare. There's too many. That was other this things. year. By um. Yeah. There was something else Harry. we talked a lot about earlier. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think it's just going to be. And I can't remember. There's one particular that I've heard, and of course that's the cheating thing that you hear about big Which popular one? books. I, oh. I can't remember. I'm no good at Not that. Memoir, I can right? remember the title of the book I'm reading. Okay. No, no, okay. no. I'm curious. No, I don't think there'll be that many. I you don't think, think Matthew Perry's going to make the I, list? I hope so. No, I think you're right, though, about Britney Spears. Britney I Spears think. and Spare by uh, Duke of Sussex, for sure. For sure. Willing to put money on that one. Anyway. There's something from earlier in the year, and I just can't think of what it is, so forgive me, folks. I don't know. Um, okay. Ever heard of uh, not wanting to open an umbrella indoors because of all the superstitions oh, sure. around it. Oh, well, my mother would have just gone crazy if you had done that. Here's your opportunity, though, if you're a little bit of a rebel. There is National Open an Umbrella Indoors Day. That is a bit of a tongue twister, but I did well. Uh, March 13th, I'm assuming at one point this was a Friday the 13th when it was created. According to superstition, opening an umbrella indoors will cause bad luck to rain down on you. But a gentleman mm. in Maryland, Thomas Nib, apparently thought this was a load of BS. I'm with you, Thomas. So Nib <laughs> reportedly invented National Open an Umbrella Indoors Day in 2003 as a way to defy the superstition, and he encouraged of course, uh, people to open their umbrellas inside and realize that nothing bad is going to happen to them. Nothing bad is going to happen to us, okay? Just do it and then report back, <laughs> feedback at ami.ca to see <laughs> to, to find out if anything actually happened to you. If I, you're able. <laughs> I, I remember doing this. This is actually a memory for me. I remember me opening an umbrella indoors before knowing that this was a superstition, okay? Because yep. this is one of... Me too. Yeah. And then people just, oh, no, why would you do that? Ah. And I was like, what? Uh, but I don't remember if anything bad happened. You? I got screamed at by mom. Don't do that 
That's why you remember. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget. I was, of course, I, I said, Mom, I'm only five. I didn't know. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll try it out and figure it out. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we will be talking about Google's new features to give you more control over location data. John Beeler has the details on this on our app update. There's a new partnership between Greenscape Media and Mayo Clinic to bring more books to Audio Ryan Huey will be here with the chatty bookshelf and tell us more. Fabulous. Looking forward to the Friday edition of the show. We'll catch you back here then, 2 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. We'll be back. Hi, everyone. It is Beth Day here with the K&R Show. Oh, my goodness. Today I want to talk a little bit about the fact that Christmas is just around the corner and I'll be honest, I don't know how I'm feeling about it. I kind of want to talk a little bit about the fact that I'm just really struggling to get in the Christmas spirit and I really, I don't know what it is this year, especially because I have a young kid, I really thought that that would kind of give me the motivation to you know, be excited about Christmas a bit more. Christmas always used to be my favourite, but I'll be honest, as an adult, um, you know, as I've grown up and Christmas has become more of my responsibility, uh, it's not my favourite anymore. And I still love, you know, being with family, all the food, <laughs> and, you know, just like, I love it once it's here. But I think the thing I'm dreading is, like, the prep for it. So I just kind of wanted to do a little PSA to say, if you are feeling that way too, it's okay. <laughs> um, I just, I, yeah, like I said, I don't know what it is. I just can't seem to get in the Christmas groove. Um, last week we had our staff Christmas party and that's the first time this year that I felt at all, like, excited for Christmas. But then I came home and I haven't put on my Christmas tree still. <laughs> um, just the thought, my daughter is, like, she'll be two in March. So she's about 20 months old. And the thought of just having to, like, defend the Christmas tree for, like, three or four weeks just is not exciting to me she's just at that age where she wants to explore everything and as much as that's nice when you don't have much vision it's actually really hard at the moment <laughs> at the moment my um island in the kitchen has no bar stools because she's been climbing up onto the counter and playing with the pendant lighting so that's been very stressful <laughs> Um, and she's managed to break out of the baby gate and pull it out of the wall. Um, <laughs> so it's just stuff like that where I'm like, I'm excited for, I think I'm excited for Christmas one day, but right now the thought of Christmas and all of the kind of faff and stuff that it comes with just isn't really exciting me, especially because, you know, I work from home and so does my husband and, uh, our daughter right now is still at home with us. She doesn't go to daycare or anything. And I'm lucky because my husband does take care of her in the day. But we don't live in a very big house. So we are a lot of the time all in the same area. And I'll be kind of like working or taking meetings and stuff. And, you know, he's just in the background trying to 
you know, stop her from getting stuck behind the couch and <laughs> just stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know like the week of Christmas, I'll be excited, but I used to be that like insane, like annoying person that would just be like, okay, like Remembrance Day's over, Christmas is here. <laughs> and it would be like a full eight weeks of Beth being crazy about Christmas. So um, yeah, suffice to say, I'm not feeling like that right now. And I know Christmas is going to be lovely. And I hope that everyone, you know, gets in the Christmas spirit. But if you aren't there yet, that is okay. And I'm sure at some point the Christmas spirit will find you and it'll suck you in. Um, I'm just waiting for that. <laughs> so good luck to everyone. I know Christmas can also be a very difficult time for a lot of people, um, myself included as much as there's things I love about it, it also kind of leads up to like the anniversary of my dad's death, which no one likes, no one likes anniversaries like that. <laughs> so if you are someone that also doesn't like Christmas, because it can be a hard time for you, you know, take it in your stride, be kind to yourself. And yeah, look after yourself, everyone. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.